So uh, in our last episode, in our cold open, we were talking about Worf's head and yes. how Worf looks weird in the first season of of TNG. And it, is it just like a, an issue of his haircut or if it's an issue of his makeup being different? And I have some I have some answers for us here. Okay. So I, I found a little bit on Memory Alpha, not a lot, and I actually found uh, on the uh, X Astra Scientia, uh, or I don't know how to say that word, but that website, there's an article that's called The Evolution of Klingon Foreheads. Okay. So um, there's a lot of information there about many different Klingons and how they used to look and how they look now. So like things like there's a fake Kalos in... Uh, the original series, and then how the Kalos Cone looks like in TNG, the Klingons from from Blood Oath, how they look uh, in original series, and then TNG, and then like things like from one show to another, uh, or or things like Alexander, how kind of or Alexander, how his his hair, his ridges evolved and stuff. And so we were not crazy. It doesn't specifically say that like the head is wider, but uh, I think there is a hair element too because but originally. Roddenberry wanted Worf's hair to be cut shorter because he thought it would, it, it made more sense to make it more like kind of the military haircut style of like the other men on the show, who everyone hmm. else is, you know, keeping it pretty. So he was like doing pretty like high a Starfleet thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, later on after he was gone, like, and actually apparently Michael Dorn was trying, well, also wanted this to happen. They, they, they debuted the pony, the ponytail eventually. Um, and it kind of it got longer over time and then they got, they got to the ponytail. And they also kind of experimented with his ridge patterns over time, mostly just because to make it look the best, but also because it, to make it more comfortable for Michael Dorn. Because by the end of TNG, it still took two hours to get him into makeup every day, which is Oof. nuts. But uh, originally, it took two and a half hours. So they, they, they did some things to kind of clean up the process a little bit. Yeah, that is crazy. Especially for like a weekly TV show. I feel like it's one yeah. thing if you're like making a movie or something, but for hundred and whatever episodes of a well yeah i mean he's he's in more episodes of star trek than anyone else so he well not counting major barrett but yeah so then in this extra extra scientia uh article it says the lateral bones of his forehead prosthetics were raised and the wrinkles were toned down um most visibly the transversal rib-like wrinkles were flattened out for the second season Later on in the series, the previously th- rather thin central ridge was widened and modified to exhibit more peaks and wrinkles. The changes are overall slight enough to be interpreted as part of Worf's natural aging process. It said that, that even though everyone else um, returned to their original looks in in All Good Things, they did not change Worf's makeup back to what it looked like oh, in interesting. When, they're, when they're going back to the pilot. So uh, it, it seems mostly like they kind of... It, it, I think it is possibly like a, a, a look thing where it, like they kind of made it look more horizontal like and kind of like a more a, a more vertical look like down the middle of his forehead type thing but even looking at these comparison pictures on this article which I'll, I'll try to remember to link it in the thing um you can kind of see it does look like it's wider originally but yeah so they they did they did change some stuff uh, we're not we weren't crazy <laughs> i mean we we might be but not about that yeah right Hi, everybody, and welcome to Out of Contracts, the show where two guys who have seen part of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard. And I'm Brady Jungle. And this week we are doing Gravity, which is Season 5, Episode 13 of Star Trek Voyager. It's directed by Terry Windell and written by 
Nick Sagan, Brian Fuller, Jimmy Diggs, and that's it. And the Memory Alpha uh, description for this episode is, A Voyager shuttle crashes on a deserted planet within a temporally distorted area of space, stranding Tom Paris, Tuvok, and the Doctor with an alien woman who falls in love with Tuvok. Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, that, I guess that's That's it. what happens. Yeah. Well, this, is, this raises an interesting question that I want to just quick talk about before we go into the plot of the episode, which is, what is the Doctor situation on the ship right now? During this episode, because they they don't address that. Oh, that is, is a there, good question. So, because he's wearing this is far enough in the show where the doctor has they have that little like plastic thing where you can turn it on and the doctor can manifest in other places. Yeah, his mobile emitter. So it's just like a little like portable like hologram projector. Yeah, and and I think. I feel like I don't, he's not with them. He's yeah. He's I feel down, like the way they treat it is planet. that like his program is within that, so it can't be run on the ship. Which, if you think about it too hard, doesn't entirely make sense. Right. They have a backup, and, and yeah, like if it's just like a program that's the ship's computer runs, why would it not be able to still run in sick bay and then also on this mobile emitter? But yeah, usually they treat it where like if he's like wherever his mobile emitter is, that's where. His like whole program is contained in that. What if Neelix gets a breeze burn or something? You know, like right. what's, who's taking care of that? <laughs> that is a good question because this is this is post cast on the show. This is yeah. And I forget if they really, I forget what they decide to do after that because there was maybe they go back to Tom Paris being the nurse. Yeah, but Tom Paris is also down on the planet. Too. Uh, yeah. Down on the planet. <laughs> yeah, that is a good question that I don't think they answer. Is who the chief medical officer in the Doctor's absence is right now? Hopefully nothing bad happened during... Although I guess on Voyager, like, not very much time passes. Like, that's kind of the whole... One of the things with this episode, right? Yeah, it's a... It's a real Narnia slash Inception style narrative here. Which we can explain as we we get into it. But yeah, I think I texted you, like, this is... This this episode is if someone made Inception, but it was bad. Or something (laughs) like that. Like... Uh, This episode is a, a number of things, I guess. But, um... But yeah... Because, so essentially, the plot of this is that there's there's this weird, they call it like a gravity well, or it's like a wormhole type thing, or like a pocket dimension, maybe? I don't even know really what this thing, but there's some gravitational anomaly that the shuttle gets sucked into, and there's a whole planet contained within it that they crash onto. Yeah. Um, that's like not like visible in normal space and that time is passing differently. So do they ever say how much time actually passes for them? Um, like, it seems like it's like weeks to maybe months for, Well, they say it's been at one point they turn the doctor on and he's like, Hey, what's when was the last time since we talked? And then they say two months. Oh, that's and right. And so it's that doesn't necessarily mean that they they've only been there for two months, but like it's but been at a least, while. Like on the on the on the matter of months, yeah. that they're trapped there. And meanwhile, up in normal space for Voyager, it's like a few hours. I think is kind of all the time that passes for this whole episode. Mm-hmm. And so the the episode starts with um, with them kind of crashing on this planet. And they meet this lady that lives on this planet and has kind of been scavenging there since her ship crashed, um, named Nos. 
I would say for, at this point I'm on board because there's this like kind of a cool mysterious opening. There's not really like any talking. You see like this kind of very barren. You know, like this is this is like the. There are two different kinds of planets that you can go to in 90 Star Trek. They're just, where they're just like the two different biomes that are available <laughs> to get to from Los Angeles. You know, and this is the desert one. <laughs> right, which is uh, desert or just kind of like woods. woodlands. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and so they're on the desert one. And there's like this woman who is scavenging around. She's like spearing spiders to eat. And, and has this like desert gear on where she has like this drape across her face. And it's kind of completely covered and clearly has been like surviving here for for a while yeah and she and she discovers their the crash ship and you see you're like okay there must be a crash here and then she kind of she robs tom paris at some point you know and yeah and which is you know i'm on, I'm on board with that for sure and <laughs> uh so this is kind of a cool opening where you're kind of like establishing the world like through this new character who you're yeah really and then as she's with. like going back to her ship she gets ambushed by these other aliens that have been similarly stranded there and you kind of get the sense that just this whole planet is just kind of scavengers and just various people that have gotten stranded here that are just trying to like survive based on what they can find and kind of whoever has the upper hand steals from whatever they can get from whoever they can and so she then is gets attacked and robbed by these other scavengers and uh, Tuvok who's also crashed on the shuttle rescues her Mm -hmm. Um, and he beats up these you know these other two aliens and (laughs) has a nice moment where he's like because she she gets i think injured in this fight and so he's like you know i'm gonna take you back here come come with me i'll take you back to my shuttle and then he picks up the sort of all the stuff that she had stolen from tom paris and says something like well i can see you've already been to my shuttle yeah um and initially they go back to to the the crashed voyager shuttle but then as more of these aliens are coming they leave there and go back to her her ship which is larger and has this like force field protecting it and i think it's it's not till they get back there that they they're able to reactivate the doctor who still has the universal translator active and so he can talk to yeah so initially he's the only way that they can communicate with her because the i never am sure how the universal translator works like is it on the ship or something like they carry with them yeah it's something, it's something they carry with them too much. yeah so like, i don't know i don't know if this is i don't know if it's in their com badges or because so i i, I there is actually like a very in, there's an episode of ds9 where you find out that for ferengi anyway all the ferengis have one implanted in their ear really yeah because they, if, <laughs> you find this out because uh, three Ferengi crash on Earth in the 50s and get stuck in Area 51 and they can't understand anything. And so then they have to like get their things turned back on in their ears <laughs> so they can understand the human beings. Uh, that episode rocks. I'm When we talk about that one, I'll be so happy. Uh, <laughs> one of the best TS9 episodes. But Yeah. But yeah, so the neither Tuvok or Tom Paris initially can communicate with her. And so the doctor is able to kind of translate back and forth. And then as things go on, she starts to learn English, I think is the implication. Like she's able to start kind of talking to them in sort of broken English as she learns, Mm -hmm. which seems a little unfair, but I guess there's more of them than there are of her. Yeah. Um, Also, apparently I guess Tuvok can just speak, english 
like Tuvok's not speaking Vulcan in any of this because Tom Paris is still able to understand him without the universal translator. Right. I, don't know, I, mean, like, I don't think you're supposed to think too much about all of this. I feel like most Vulcans can probably speak English. That just seems I'm like sure something they'd learn in, in their Vulcan school. Yeah. Maybe he, he went to an English immersion school. There you go. Yeah. I mean, Vulcans seem like the kind of people that probably speak a large number of languages. Yeah. Vulcans would definitely have like my son is an honor student, like on the back of like on the back of their ships, except for that like pride is you you're not supposed to have pride. Yeah, it's so, it's, so that's it's the only thing. illogical to to brag about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, because I guess so the very first scene before any of this happens, um they didn't talk about is a, a flashback scene to when Tuvok was a child. Um or a yes. young, a young Vulcan, <laughs> where the reveal is that it's Tuvok, like that, like that's the yeah. <laughs> it's about this young Vulcan boy who yeah. is black, which is not very many Vulcans we see on the show are, are black, and has, looks like Tuvok, who looks like, like Tim yeah, Russ, they like and has a the very same good job of like casting yeah. and acting. Like it's very clearly Tuvok. I feel <laughs> when you first see him. He has the same haircut, like, and then, yeah. but he's like, he's like kind of angry. He's like talking to this guy, this ma- this Vulcan master who is talking to him about taming his emotions. He's like, I don't want to do it. And then at the end, he says, like, sit down, Tuvok. And then the music's yeah. like, well, it's Tuvok. So- and it's like, we know, we know who it yeah. is. It's like, <laughs> like, oh, was that supposed to be, we're, I guess they didn't tell us that was Tuvok until just now. It'd be weirder if it, the reveal was that it wasn't Tuvok. Right. Uh, yeah, like Tuvok like comes in from off stage, being like, "Oh, hey, everybody, just bringing in the coffee." Yeah, and just like, "Oh, wait, oh, who's this kid then?" Yeah, dun dun dun. And it was like Tuvok's son or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, and so that's kind of the the backstory here that's revealed is that when when Tuvok was young, he had this ep- kind of phase where he got very emotional and we find out later in another flashback that it's because he was, he had fallen in love with someone that wasn't a Vulcan that didn't love him back. And he was kind of starting to have all these negative emotions sort of springing out of that. And so his parents like sent him to emotion camp. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's basically what happens. Yeah. I, I really wanted there to be, I knew there wasn't going to be, but I really wanted there to be, I was really hoping that like you would find out that like, young Tuvok had joined Cybok or something like in like that emotions cult. That oh yeah. That that'd be, uh, I've looked up Cybok multiple times on memory alpha and I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure Cybok and basically anything from that movie are basically just like, we'll never talk about this ever again. I, I do get that sense that, yeah, they kind of want to pretend as hard as possible that, that that never happened. Yeah. Um, I keep, I keep hoping that it'll show up on discovery, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. But just like, well, Oh wait, like, not only does Spock have like the sister we never knew about, but like <laughs> I really want them to just like pan to the side and be like, and our other brother is just also just kind of standing right off camera this whole time. Yeah, I could see them maybe doing it on uh, Strange New Worlds. I-, I I think that the ship has definitely sailed for a variety of reasons on on yeah. Discovery, but, uh, but maybe have like a one off episode where. They don't do one-off episodes in New Star Trek. They're always yeah. just, they're always just like they have to make a season. It's a season or nothing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, my one side note there is so the the Vulcan master 
who I don't think is ever named other than just Vulcan Master, um, is played by an actor named Joseph Ruskin, who, mm-hmm. according to Memory Alpha, is, other than Majel Barrett, the only other actor to appear in the original series Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and Enterprise. Really? What's, yeah. Who is, who is he? He's, I don't think he's been in any episode like I, when i looked i don't think he's been in any episodes that we've seen yet um he just plays kind of like some alien in some episode in all of them but he's apparently kind of a a go-to guy that they there, there's a handful of, of people like that that are just kind of play an alien in multiple episodes of different seasons of star trek but apparently he's been in the most different series oh he's in insurrection too oh really Oh yeah, I recognize this guy from DS9. He's uh, he is this Klingon who's in a couple of a couple of episodes of, of DS9. Who at one point uh, Quark gets married to a Klingon um, for briefly, <laughs> and he's he's like the assistant to that Klingon who Quark gets married to. So he's in a couple episodes. Also, according to Memory Alpha, he is one of the few Vulcans who have been known to grow a beard. Normally, a popular trend in the Mirror Universe. Well, see, that's the other thing, too, is that, like, Cybok has a beard. And so I was like, I'm getting some Cybok vibes off of this guy. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I was like, again, I was like, this probably isn't going to happen, but, like, I would love I would love the Cybok connection here, you know. <laughs> One day we'll find it, the Cybok connection. There we go. Uh, have you have you started watching the, the Muppet Show? No, no, not yet. No, I've, I've been thinking about it, though. Yeah, Lisa and I have gotten uh, just a few episodes in. Hey guys, if you, can you tell how much we like this episode? <laughs> yeah. All right. So, anyways, Talking about the Muppets and Star Trek Five: The Final or The Final Frontier. Uh, that's how much we like it. So, so, anyways, uh, have we started yet? Um, <laughs> so, okay. Um, so, so, the main the main thing that happens in this episode is that after, and I feel like this is one of those things where they kind of tell it to us more than showing us. But after a couple scenes of uh, Tuvok and Nas together. And this really comes more from Tom Paris than anybody else. But Tom Paris yes. decides that they like each other and they should hook up, essentially. Yes, Tom Paris. I, I at one point I just wrote, "This is this is before I knew this was what the episode was going to be about." I just wrote, "Tom Paris suggests Tuvok cheat on his wife," and then I realized as the show went on, that's the whole episode is Tom yeah. Paris trying to get Tuvok to sleep with this woman. When Tuvok, like they kind of imply that Tuvok cares about her, but. It seems more like I, Tuvok really isn't in that interested in doing it, and but she likes yeah. him, and so Tom Ferris is like, "Hey, man, you're never going to see your wife and kids again, so like, why not go for it?" Like, and, yeah. and Kim asked me, she's like, "Would you do this? Would you would you think about doing something like that if you were in the situation?" And I I think that I would if I was in a situation not like where I was stuck on the planet, but like if I was on Voyager where I'm like, well, I'm probably never going to see my family ever again. Like, like to, it's basically as if, yeah, like it's you know, impossible like, I, it's, within our lifetime to make it back to earth. It's a castaway situation, you know, but like, you know, at, at the same time, you know, we are, we're trying to get back home, you know, and we, we've, it, this is season five at this point. So I'm sure there's already been a few episodes where we've been like, Oh, we actually figured out how to go thought. through a wormhole. And so we got, we like skipped several years, you know, like, or whatever. And so like, there's certainly like the possibility, but like, I guess I would maybe consider it, but I, I wouldn't, 
it's not like something I, I don't think that anyone would be within their rights to encourage me to do so you know what I mean like yeah like tell someone else be like eh eh not yeah not wanting to do that because you still have a wife you care about that you are still hoping to get back to I think is a totally yeah uh, legit feeling and and uh, Tom Paris is treating it like it's nothing like yeah also I feel like at no point really throughout the whole episode does Tuvok kind of show any sort of feeling like at the end he kind of does he he does a little bit but yeah i feel like there's not a i don't know i guess this gets into kind of my issue with this episode is that it's it's presented as it's like this real like deep character piece on tuvok where you like kind of learn more about him and like explore him as a character but he doesn't actually like change or grow or like do any like you find out backstory about him but like he i think spends the whole episode being like nah i'm not interested and then by the end being like, I mean, I like you, but still not interested by, um, like, like to some degree we'll miss her, but you know, that there's no, like, I feel like he doesn't like grow or change much as a character. He kind of is like, has his stance and sticks with it through the whole episode. And I guess if anything, we just find out a little bit more about why he has that stance, but. He is a real hottie in this episode though, I think. I'm trying to find like a picture of him. Like I thought he looked he looked very good in this. Like he he and I can't even remember the name of the guy the name of the guy who plays Tom Paris, but Oh, uh, Robert Duncan McNeil. Yes, thank you. So yeah. they they both they both spend most of the episode like with their with their outer uniforms off, you know? Um Yeah. Although I noted that Paris is still wearing just like a sort of like T shirt undershirt. And Tuvok definitely has the like sleeveless muscle shirt. Yeah. Um, and I was under like his he looks, uniform. He looks apparently. good, like he's <laughs> No wonder Nas is into him. Like he, he, he's good looking. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and so <laughs> we're we're really going all over the place with this one. But yeah. uh, that's like the whole conflict of the episode, basically, on yeah. their side that of it. Nas, is that basically Nas falls in love with Tuvok, and um, Tuvok like does not reciprocate at all. And he, at first, he tells Paris like, "Hey, you know I'm married and like have multiple children, right?" And um, <laughs> Paris is like you'll, you'll never see them again anyway, so who cares? Like, right, and and then to to Paris and also I think to Nas when she tries to, you know, tries to like pull something out of him, he says, you know, I'm Vulcan, I can't, like I don't experience emotions, I don't fall in love, and and that is very hurtful to her, that he he kind of he doesn't uh, requite her her feelings. One more thing is before we, I, I feel like I, I've been hitting the Tom Paris button pretty hard here, but there is like one point like later on in the episode where, where Tuvok is meditating on like a rock and Tom Paris comes up to him to bother him about this, this topic specifically, it interrupts his meditating. And I wrote, Israel, yeah. can you imagine a worse person to be marooned with than Tom Paris? <laughs> like, even if he wants to keep on having this argument, just wait till Tuvok is done meditating. Like, yeah. you're, you're being a jerk. He's kind of uh, but um, <laughs> <laughs> also, the, you didn't mention that in that scene, Tuvok is apparently meditating on Pride Rock from The Lion King. Y- right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the exact same sort of like profile as like it's like a small version of Pride Rock. Yeah. Um, well, you can't have a big version of Pride Rock because again, Vulcans aren't supposed to feel pride, so there you go. it's like just like the little he can help. Uh, so. Um, that's going on, and then they're kind of they're also kind of getting increased attacks from from these other people on the planet. And then the other kind of plot that's going on is that 
time is moving way faster in there than it is outside. And so... Yeah, so Voyager is kind of just starting to figure out that they're gone. Uh, or, like, is, is searching for where they went. And they figure out where they went, and they're going to try to get them out. But there's another group of aliens that's trying to close the, the portal because people keep on getting stuck in there. And so, like, all right, you have you have X amount of time you know, like a day or two or whatever, and, yeah. and to get them out, and then which is a lot longer to them than it is in the in the in in the, on the planet than it is to the people outside of the planet. So yeah, so that's actually that's not even really Inception so much. That's kind of like a an interstellar thing if we're talking about Chris Nolan movies, where yeah, where like the, some of those planets have like higher like time areas. dilation type yeah. stuff. Yeah, and so they they get a message down to them that basically like where it. The message is really slow, and so they have to like they have to like speed it up to get it. Which I thought was kind of a cool, a cool little touch yeah. there. That says like we're we're gonna get you, we're gonna pick you up in like thirty minutes or whatever. They're like, oh, that's two weeks from now or whatever. Right. Um, which led to maybe the thing that bothered me the most about the episode, which is that at one point they're like, there's two days, they're gonna be there in two days, and then like they're getting attacked, and then it says, they said like, how can we survive two more days? And then it cuts to Voyager, and they're like, there's two minutes left. And then it cuts back to them on the planet, and they're like, all right, it's almost time to leave. And it's like, you can't, that's, you can't do that. You can't you be like... introduce the problem, and then... <laughs> yeah, you can't be like, how are we going to do this? And then, like, a suit leader be like, we did it, no explanation involved. Right. You know, like, that, that made me really mad. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, and so as it's, it's coming down to time for them to all all escape and these aliens that are attacking them are like about to break through the force field and so someone has to go out and basically like reinforce the force field and nas is the one that you know essentially kind of like doesn't quite sacrifice herself but puts herself at risk to go do this to save tuvok in paris and there's kind of this moment between her and tuvok when she's going out to do this um when tuvok says like you know no let me go with you and she says to risk two lives would be illogical and kind of like, you know, there's meaning to that between them and she goes out and then at the last minute he goes out and rescues her and brings her back in and they all get beamed out together. Which seems like they're kind of saying that this is because he cares about her, but it's like, no, it just seems like something he would do. You know, he, he's a good guy. <laughs> yeah. Like if you have the opportunity to save everybody on your team, you go out and bring him back in and save her. The other thing that happens here is that, when they transport them all back, the doctor is is with them, like he's activated at the time, and like gets beamed up with a transporter signal. Like it's one of those things I think where they forget Voyager frequently forgets that the doctor is a hologram. Yeah, and it's the implications like a, of that. You remember in in uh, Live Fast and Prosper where he like runs down a hallway and then he's like winded, like out of like, breath. Yeah, <laughs> or I think there's one episode where he's like crawling through a vent and like complaining about his knees hurting or something like that and you're just like what right. that what um <laughs> you don't have knees yeah uh but yeah but like instead of you know if anything you would think that like just the little mobile emitter would get beamed up because that's the only thing that's actual matter but yeah like he just looks like anybody else getting beamed up um yeah uh and then you know they come back and they are going to drop off nas on her her home planet and she has kind of this, you know, goodbye scene uh, with Tuvok. And that's when Tuvok sort of mind melds with her to sort of, you get the sense that he's sort of explaining kind of this backstory of 
what he went through when he was a kid and sort of the trauma that having falling in love with someone caused him and that's why he can never fall in love with anyone again and she says like i understand and then and then she leaves and it's it's what i feel like one of those moments of why didn't he just do that the whole time <laughs> yeah it just seems like there's a missed opportunity too because it's like talking about shutting yourself off from your emotions because you had a bad love thing like that's something you know what i mean like that that is you could make a meal of that if you wanted to and because i think you know ultimately like what what he's admitting to is like pretty unhealthy basically yeah and and i feel like they try to explain that like well like vulcans have more like if vulcans did let their emotions run wild their emotions would be more powerful and are like consume them and so that's why all vulcans have to suppress their emotions but it is i i can't quite come down on like where they if they're saying this is a good thing or not because it's one of those things that you definitely shouldn't like what he's sort of being taught by this Vulcan master to do like actual people shouldn't do of just like oh well I got hurt and had like negative emotions and lashed out and so I should just never feel anything ever again Mm -hmm. and like that's his like success story yeah it's very very muddled yeah but uh Missed opportunity, unfortunately. Not not like terrible, but just kind of. Yeah, meh, I feel like it meh. just. Yeah, it was one of those episodes that like, s- sort of seemed like it was this like deep character story and just kind of never really hit the like emotional impact that I think it was going for. Um, mm-hmm. The only other thing I I want to say is that, as usual, Robert Grado is is so. He's such a delight. Uh, <laughs> he is. He was like my bright spot on this episode. There's a one point where he says, I'm a doctor, not a battery, you know, which is like a fun little nod. Yeah. But then the thing that that Kim and I really laughed at was there's <laughs> a section where he's kind of like complaining that he gets turned off and on when he's needed. And then Tom Paris comes back from hunting and he hasn't found anything. Uh, he hasn't he hasn't caught any food. And the the doctor says, if Mr. Paris's hunting ability is anything to go by, maybe we should take him offline. It's <laughs> like you're just like I I also want to kill Tom Paris, so I'm uh, the doctor and I are on. Yeah, guard. no, the, 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 he's definitely the more useful member of the of the the crew. I feel like that is the saving grace of Tom Paris is that they know like the show <laughs> everyone he's someone for everyone else to. Yeah, I, there's also on that same note. There's a great. I think Tuvok definitely nails the Vulcan art of like being sarcastic despite not having the capacity for sarcasm. Mm-hmm. Where there's a scene near, the, like after at the end when they're back on Voyager, and Paris is like, "I can't believe you know it's only been a few hours here, and like Bolana didn't miss me at all because like she didn't feel like like I felt like I was gone forever, and she didn't think I was gone." And and Tuvok says something along the lines of like, "Well." If it had been longer, I'm sure she would have experienced a very deep sense of loss. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, I love it when he like pretends that he's not being sarcastic, but is very clearly throwing shade. Yeah. The the only other thing that I, uh, I feel like this episode did have a number of, again, like overall, I don't think it hit, but there were some scenes that, for various reasons, I like really liked. Um. Overall, I don't think they showed they like spent enough time really developing the relationship between Tuvok and Nas, and like showed her like developing feelings for him. They just kind of like told us that it had happened, and 
mostly through the voice of Tom Paris being like, Hey, she loves you, man. But, mm-hmm. um, but the one scene that I thought that they did do between them was they're, they're sitting and working and she's telling him, tell me more about Voyager. And then she says, tell me more about yourself. And he's like, well, I am the security officer. And she's like, okay, tell me other things about you. And what's your favorite food? What kind of music do you like? Who are your friends? Uh, and he says, you know, why is that relevant? And, and she just says, because it, because that's you. Uh, yeah. There's like yeah. a very sweet, I feel like personal thing. Yeah. She does a good job. What's the actress's name who plays Nas? I thought she, yeah, she's, um, her name is Lori Petty. Yeah. Lori Petty, who I actually knew as she's the trainer in free Willy, which was one of my favorite oh, movies okay. growing up. Huh. Um, I haven't seen that in a, in an age. I, I think she's also been in like a, a bunch of like daytime television and that kind of stuff. But okay, um, yeah, I feel like I, I recognized her voice, and I was like, I'm sure she's just in something. You know, like yeah, she's got like a whole bunch of TV credits. She's one of those. Yeah. Uh, the the other scene I really enjoyed, and I think this has happened a couple of other times in episodes, but I really like when everyone else is off the bridge and Harry Kim gets left in charge. And they come back, like, because there's, it happens, I think, twice in this one, but the first time, they're all down in, like, engineering or science trying to, like, figure out how to get the shuttle out, and Harry Kim calls, like, the captain back to the bridge, and he's just, like, standing there trying to negotiate with this other, the captain of this other ship that's about to close the rift, mm-hmm. and he just kind of has this, like, look of relief on his face when Janeway shows back up. Yeah. He's just, like, standing there being like, no, I have to, I have to demand that you not do that. Please, please listen to me. Yeah. I'm Ensign <laughs> Harry Kim. I, I mean business. Yeah. Well, that's all I had. I, I put, yeah, this, this is a kind of a, it's something really had a lot to say about this one. Yeah. We, I, we, I feel like we were kind of all over the place on this one, but. Yeah, I don't know. Well, there's this, I don't know. There's a lot to say. I mean, like, you know, we, we sometimes we have a lot to say and sometimes, uh, there's just isn't they don't give us a lot to work with and i feel like that was yeah. kind of one of these this was one where i wondered if i guess so the just my overall thing with it is like could it have been a better episode if they had spent more time with like if it had just been about like tuvok and nas down on the planet and not kept cutting back to because i feel like they spent a decent amount of time on voyager with them like trying to solve the problem of how to get of how to like rescue them Mm-hmm. And I feel like you could have done an episode where, like, the whole episode is just is just really about Tuvok, and then at the very end, like, Voyager shows up and rescues them. But that, I feel like, did you take away time that you could have spent better developing the real story by feeling like you had to, like, explain how they rescued them out of this gravitational well and that? I don't know. Yeah, that... I know what you mean. That, that ultimately was a kind of the most interesting part of the episode to me, though, just because I didn't really, I wasn't super invested in like the, the relationship stuff, and so I I liked how they kept on coming back and forth, the, like, and kind like, of okay, stuff. Yeah, it's going to be thirty minutes for us, but it's going to be two weeks for them or whatever, you know. Yeah, and that that part I thought was cool. Uh, so I I get what you're saying, but I don't know. It's it, it's you can't win them all. <laughs> yeah. So speaking both of episodes with rich conversational topics and 
uh, as we were talking about at the beginning of the show, long amounts of time spent in the makeup chair. We come out every other week, every other Sunday, and in two Sundays we'll be back with a new episode to talk about. Uh, this one, though, is called uh, The Nagus, and it's the first episode with the Grand Nagus, uh, Zek, a play by Wallace Shawn. Um, it is... Uh, season one, episode eleven, I believe, of uh, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, and so uh, go watch that one. Uh, definitely do watch this one too, because it's not like the best DS Nine episode, but it's a fun one. It's a it's a good intro to uh, Wallace Shawn's character, who is like a pretty fun uh, guest star on the show. Uh, I'm excited for you to watch it, Brady, because you've not you've not experienced uh, the Nagus yet. Um, but he's he's a good a good character. <laughs> um, so check that out and come back and listen to us uh, then. Um, in the meantime, you can uh, check us out on Twitter at Contracts. You can email us at, at outofcontracts at gmail.com, or you can visit our website at outofcontracts.podmead.com. Contracts is spelled C-O-N-T-R-E-K-S. Uh, and in the meantime, you can also listen to the sister podcast we have on the Cladoscope Media Network. There's Here's Johnny, which is a horror media podcast. There is That's Not How Science Works, which is a uh, science pop culture podcast. And then there's Wizard Studies, which is a Harry Potter podcast. And uh, you have to check all those places out. They're good, good shows. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Bye.